Set your system's volume control for slightly above the normal listening level. Let's go. Second level thinking is defined as looking beyond the easy, obvious conclusions. You got to do some smart thinking. Welcome to the second level. To the second level on SB Nation Radio and on sbnationradio.com, where we go beyond the box score. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage is with you every step of the way. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts Studios, here's your host, Aton Shander. Uh, it's my favorite day of the week. We have. Upsets all over the board in college basketball, and week four of the XFL has provided a little bit of a wrinkle in our theory here about good quarterback play. Maybe it's just because somebody got exposed. Maybe it's just we finally see the league kind of catching up with itself, and that's not a bad thing. Either way, I don't think that you walk away feeling frustrated or disappointed, but We'll keep you updated, not only live on the field what's happening in St. Louis between the Dragons and Battlehawks, the 11.5 to 12-point home favorite Battlehawks in Seattle with that place rocking, but also live odds as they update and fluctuate before you can take advantage of it. Now, as mentioned, this day in college basketball is gigantic. There is one of the more head-scratching moments going on right now in the NBA that we have to explore this hour because I just cannot wrap my mind around it, so I bring it to you. That's what I at least try to do. and You can get me. It's very standard, at Shander Show on Twitter. We're live on all the streams, Facebook, twitch.tv slash Shander Show, Periscope as well. And one thing, and trust me, I'll mention because it's – in line with what happened today, or Villanova Wildcats here in Philadelphia losing to a Providence team that's just doing stuff. But the XFL, for the first time in four weeks, really got their first scare. And it shows you, no matter what level, no matter where you go, as much heat as the NFL gets, you can't legislate out the type of contact that puts somebody on a stretcher. And God hope you just... Pray, we all do, to whoever or whatever you'd like to pray to that you normally do, that that person gets off okay as Muhammad Sisi did for the Battlehawks. But for the first time, you had that reminder that it doesn't matter what level of professional, semi-pro, college football, high school you have. It's just such an ugly part of the sport that a lot of times we just simply forget Excuse me, Captain. This is your wake-up call from the new TrackPhone Wireless. Uh, what's that now? What if you had to fly this plane while sitting back in the cabin? I wouldn't have any control. Well, that's what it's like going with some wireless companies. But TrackPhone Wireless gives you control. Hmm. Get unlimited talk and text on America's best 4G LTE network starting at $20 a month, no contract. Plus, unlimited carryover data with active service. That's cool, but how'd you get in my cockpit? This is your wake-up call, people. The new TrackPhone Wireless. Now you're in control. Available at major retailers. See terms and conditions at trackphone.com. This is Jesse's O'Reilly Auto Parts story. As a nurse, not making it to work was not an option. But driving through the snow with my wiper blades struggling, I just didn't feel safe. So I pulled into O'Reilly Auto Parts, and before I knew it, an employee was offering to install the wiper blades on my car. I got to stay out of the snow for a moment, and I still made it to work on time. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Message and data rates may apply. 
Help! Seriously, I am too young for hair loss. My hairline keeps creeping back. Receding? I got this bald spot. Uh, it's thinning everywhere. I'm gonna have to give up and shave it. Dude, put down the razor. Because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration expert, is about to give you your real hair back permanently. Don't ignore the signs of hair loss. Bosley is giving away an absolutely free information kit that reveals all the signs and a free gift card to anyone who texts KIT11 to 85850. Bosley will show you for free how great your hair could look. Using the latest technology, Bosley's solution to hair loss is permanent and protected by the Bosley guarantee. Plus, since Bosley has new non-surgical options, you owe it to yourself to text now for an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off, no matter what level of hair loss you have. Text KIT11 to 85850. That's K-I-T-11 to 85850. Message and data rates may apply. Individual results vary. Exclusions apply. Contacts and glasses are such a hassle. I'd love to finally get LASIK, but... I'm going to stop you right there. If you want LASIK, then the LASIK Vision Institute has officially taken away everything standing in your way. Isn't LASIK expensive? Not at the LASIK Vision Institute. We're offering dramatically low prices and an absolutely free consultation. See for free if LASIK is right for you by texting CLEAR99 to 350350. But I'm really busy. A text only takes seconds, and the LASIK procedure typically only takes 15 minutes. And best of all, most patients can get back to work the following day. I had no idea. The LASIK Vision Institute uses the latest FDA-approved LASIK technology that helps the majority of patients achieve 20-20 vision. We've performed over 1.3 million procedures. That's experience you can trust. And we're offering 20% off our already low-cost services. What's that text again? Text CLEAR99 to 350350. That's C-L-E-A-R 99 to 350350 to schedule your free consultation today. Scratching beneath the surface, it's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. So I figure one thing I have that I just, I need to share, just compelled, I, I can't hold it. Especially on this platform where I feel like we're encouraged to go and color outside the lines, which is perfect for me here. I have, and I figure I'll do one an hour since I'm on with you for three hours, and I have four technically to share, but I've been on a string of victories, and I'm not talking about my betting slip by any means or prognostications on local shows or columns, what have you, but Netflix shows. And I don't know if you've ever been through this. It's the equivalent of hitting a five-leg parlay. St. Louis up on the board again with the touchdown. So pending an extra point, it's 17-3 to at home. Remember, they closed as 11.5 to 12-point favorites. Virginia up early in the 15-minute mark, 9-3 over Duke. So we'll keep an eye. Plenty of upsets to talk about. This could be the latest. But I have four that I'm confident in, the fifth one I've just started. But it's basically that, where I've gone on this streak and knocked down five straight, which I believe to be five straight. This is the fifth leg, and I'm up. I'm up in the first half or through the second intermission if you're doing hockey, whatever it might be. And I'm leading at least and thinking, all right, this is pretty damn good. This five-leg parlay may actually hit. So I'll throw you this one this hour, but 
Think about that. If you've ever been, you know, Andrew Carlson's producing my last hour with me on Saturdays. And if you hit me on Twitter, at Shander Show, the Twitch, all the other streams are live and active. But if you've been through that, you know exactly what I'm talking about, where you binge one show, and sometimes it's even the suggestion that you get from Netflix or Prime or whatever the actual method is that you're Hulu consuming this show, binging this show, and then it's just bam, you go from that one to the next one. Next thing you know, you've binged three shows, however long it may take you, you know, assuming that you have a job and you know, you're doing stuff. But even still, if you don't, like me, then you have time to binge. And you look back and you're like, wow, you just, you just nailed three shows. And even if it takes a week or 10 days, that's probably, you know, you're probably active and doing a lot more than having the ability to binge three Netflix shows. But some of these are just one season, and that's why I love it. And that's why I'm, I'm wrapped in it. So think about that as you've hit this metaphor of the five-leg parlay going in on that. 9-5 Virginia, 15-minute mark as they host Duke. It was a crazy day so far in college basketball. The big thing in the NBA is not on the court. And we'll get to that because I want you to hear from Steve Kerr regarding what's happening out in Golden State. And it's a situation that just doesn't make any sense for me whatsoever. XFL told you that week four got off to a different start than I think a lot of people. Look, the New York team and the New York market was dead. And you saw this having an impact on ratings and attendance from a global standpoint, meaning from around the country. And beyond L.A., up and down, and and that's kind of the secondary story from the first game, the ratings and just the life, the blood that could pump through a fan base like New York was revived even for a little bit like the defibrillator that comes out, you're clear, and even if you get a little jolt, that's what you got. You got a little bit of a pump up there as far as a spike of reed from the EKG, just a little bit, and now it's like we can revive this. And that's what that win was. It was not pretty at all. That quarterback from the change of McGloin was necessary and needed, and it just shows you how bad McGloin was. And the drama surrounding it, you know, the on-field interview, it's going to be memorable, don't get me wrong, but New York, that market needed it because now at least there's some interest as you're one in three. Because beforehand, that was brutal as far as the season that they had, inability to do anything, move the football, benching teams, uh, uh, sorry, benching players with McGloin starting and still getting benched. It made no sense. So with blowouts still happening, like we see right here in St. Louis, they're going to lose Seattle. It's unfortunate. But the big picture for me after one game this weekend is, and watching this one right now, (laughs) and this is going to be one of the lower-scoring games for Duke probably all season. We'll look at the in-game under live in a minute. But the biggest issue that I think the XFL has isn't ratings – Because if you get one or two victories in L.A. or New York, you start to bring people. Maybe not even bring people back if they were never there like in New York, but you start to bring people in at the very least. And we thought that was the case with L.A. But more importantly with New York, they get a victory. They get a win. And that place, even if it was only 18,000, 10,000, something in between, 
those people were rabid fans at times. You saw the front row and craziness surrounding that team just getting their first win. And it was a good thing for the league that they could build on because that team now is going in the opposite good, mind you, but opposite direction that Seattle's in, which is lost. This team, they're talking about it on the broadcast earlier before I came on, and they're going to lose a ton of people that are there at these games. The Seattle Dragons have a head coach who is just lost. He had to call a timeout. I'll give you a micro here. He had to call a timeout because he was on the wrong channel and the players couldn't hear him out there on the field. There's a quarterback in waiting who should be playing in Sanders, yet Silvers is out there just stinking it up. They have no idea what they're doing, and I don't know if the secret's out yet in Seattle, but this week and then next week in Houston, when they continue to get pummeled on the road, it's going to be. People aren't just going to forget this. It's not like, oh, well, we've got a bunch of other things we need to worry about in front of us. Gonzaga, MLS squads out now. We have all these different. No, it's just watching this team that you bought season tickets for and now stub hubbing them or secondary marketing them as fast as you can. Just get them on, just Venmo me something. I'll just take half price for these tickets. And if that stadium, one that they had in their pocket, and you know how big of a fan I am of this sport continued to talk about it as it evolves this year. But they had the Seattle Dragons. They had that home fan base in their pocket, and they're going to lose. Not even on the verge, but they're going to lose. That's how imperative it was for this league, first and foremost, New York secondary. But this league to get a victory. And there is a smaller story, of course, right? Luis Perez gets the victory after being traded by that very team he beat and coming in, getting the start after Matt McGloin has just been terrible. So L.A. trades him in the offseason. McGloin gets benched, and here this kid comes in, and he didn't lead him, but he did way more than Matt McGloin ever did and was behind a victory. So that, in its own right, squeezing by an L.A. team who should be ashamed of themselves because they let the travel and the weather get to them more so than anything. Josh Johnson giving us an insight into why the XFL is fantastic, yelling and screaming at people on the field, seal the edge after he gets sacked, just pointing at people, and then making a play or two, and it kind of validating his criticisms. But L.A. is the wrinkle right now in the theory that consistent quarterback play is going to be the difference between good and bad uh, teams because we saw that here earlier with the Guardians and Wildcats where the Guardians quarterback was not significantly better or more consistent at all than L.A.'s. It was just the defense and taking advantage of some pressure and making Josh Johnson look like he was rattled way more than Perez was. And that's a credit to coaching. That's a credit to execution on defense. But these guys, neither one of these guys was John Elwin is prime today. I, mean, I think we can at least agree on that as far as the quality and entertainment content stands. As far as the next game, the last game today, we're approaching the half here. Seattle has basically done what they've pretty much their M.O. has been all season, struggle to show up. Struggle to do anything. 55 total yards, and 
this doesn't matter at any point. So I think that's just something to think about moving forward for this league. Seattle is something they had in their pocket. They thought L.A. and New York were going to be great secondary markets as well to the NFL. And it started out okay in L.A., much better than New York after Matt McGloin ensured that nobody was going to be paying attention or if it was any type of attention on that team, it would just be negativity. But now you try to balance. I guess that's the one goal you can have if you're the XFL is hope for some balance where you lose people in Seattle, where people jump off the Seattle Dragons ship because the team is the secret's out. This team is garbage. Now New York might have some hope. I, I don't know. That's the only positive you can take away because attendance is the one thing that they're going to have to build off of. And you can't just rely on St. Louis, man. And now you can't rely on Seattle either. At Shander Show on Twitter, Aton Shander, SB Nation Radio. You can live on the streams as well. Twitch, Facebook, Periscope. Just getting a, a quick update here on some of these lines. As we mentioned, Duke and Virginia are going back. It's 16-13 right now, 11-minute mark in 10-minute mark technically in the first half. Duke's up 16-13. So the in-game total is at 125.5, and and you always keep an eye on this with Virginia, even if the other team and Duke started to pull away or at least gets something going and they started to flip a switch, a little more momentum now. That in-game line remains at five and a half. Hasn't really moved as much since Duke's taken the lead, but it's still early. I want to wait for both as we hit the half in the XFL. I want to wait for both at this point. We'll have a little more time, and in fact, with these short 10-minute halves, we'll kind of hit it at the same point where the XFL is going to come out of the half and we'll look at that live line, and Duke is going to go, kind of go into that half. Because three points right now, I'm tempted to take Duke, but I want to see this stretch. We have a break right now, and I want to see on the floor, we'll take a break in a minute, but we have a break right now in this game, and I'm curious to see coming back how much Duke can extend this little run. Because I'm not going to lay five and a half right now if Virginia is just going to keep up. Remember, might have been Duke starting slow. It might have just been Virginia doing what they do and making it difficult for most teams, especially at home, to get over on them with that low tempo and that suffocating defense that they try and play, and they just suck you in. But just recently we see in the TV timeout, Duke kind of coming back and getting used to it. It's like almost getting used to a knuckleball, if you will, to where it's like, all right, you know, Duke and Virginia know each other and they're conference foes here and somewhat like lesser rivals than a couple of other teams. But especially with Virginia's recent success, it's not anything brand new. But even still, it's tough to practice against until you're out there. And that's why I want to see if, in fact, Virginia can keep this thing close because I don't want to lay the five and a half right now if Virginia's going to come back, bang a three, next thing you know, whatever that three-point lead was from Duke, ten and a half left in the first, they're now trailing four or five points. 
Kentucky probably with the bigger win of the day. And we'll look at a couple of these losses. Also, Steve Kerr and this ridiculous storyline that's coming out of Golden State. But a couple of teams survive, and you almost think to yourself, man, you got lucky. Florida State, Baylor did not. Kansas, a little bit, depending on if you took that in-game Kansas State line at the high watermark, which I did. All right, so we'll look at the college big board coming up. Any value in the second half for St. Louis as they're all over Seattle in the second XFL game of the day. We'll also look ahead a little bit later this show, second hour, look ahead at some draft value from the Combine as a couple of these storylines pop out, really crazy storylines pop out, not necessarily even impacting the draft, but just another day at Indianapolis. Aton Shander, SB Nation Radio. This is Straight Heat. Kevin Durant went on the All the Smoke podcast and decided to tell why he left Oklahoma City. In OKC, I played with a lot of athletes. I didn't play with a lot of skilled guys, not like shooters, ball handlers. I was like, I need to change. And this was before the season even started. I was tired of having to be the only guy that can make threes, make jump shots, and consistently make them. This isn't, as much as he meant this as a put down to Russ and Ibaka and all the guys on that team, this is a put down on himself. He wasn't good enough to be the man. And he just told you so. Straight Heat with Patrick Creighton. Weekdays from 1 a.m. to 6 a.m. Eastern on SB Nation Radio. SB Nation Radio. Bum Phillips, Earl Campbell, Dan Pastorini, the Love You Blue era Houston Oilers. Experience 1970s football with Red, White, and Columbia Blue. The new audiobook at Houston79.com. A game-by-game recap of the 1979 Houston Oilers season. Featuring player interviews and new insights. Step into the huddle for legendary games against the Steelers and Cowboys. And relive one of the most controversial plays ever. The Mike Renfro play. Red, White, and Columbia Blue. Download now at Houston79.com. Pushing the odds with Matt Peralt. Dan Shaughnessy, the Boston Globe. Headline, I am officially hoping Tom Brady leaves the Patriots. I want Tom to go because his history-making time has run its course, and it would be a much better story if Tom goes to a new team. I don't want to see it, but I do understand why those who are in the sports writing business want Brady elsewhere. It's been kind of boring around here to watch the Patriots destroy the AFC East. Oh, has it? Yes. Winning gets boring. I wouldn't know. (laughs) That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. (laughs) That's what people in Boston think. I'm serious. Boston people are Puritan by nature. The Pilgrims hated themselves. And that's our history. We always want it to be, when's the other shoe going to drop? And this is it. This is the other shoe dropping. Pushing the odds with Matt Peralt. Weekday afternoons from 1 to 4 Eastern on SB Nation Radio. The main event. Here's Jake, Cody, and Jose. You did it again. Wrong mic, dude. It's not Come my on. fault. Oh, it's not my mic. fault. You lost the privilege to introduce the show today. You're in the main event. Yeah, the gang. The gang it's all, all here. here. Yeah, ready to go and ready to roll on a Friday. The main event. Weekday afternoons at 4 Eastern on SB Nation Radio. 
You're listening to The Second Level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios with way more than the scores, here's Aton Shander. That in-game totals at 38 and a half. It's 17 to 3 St. Louis. So that 11 and a half to 12 point line that it closed at is now bumped up to 19 and a half. I'm staying the hell away from that. I don't have any confidence in Seattle. My concern is that St. Louis, like all I need is one touchdown from Seattle and I feel like I can get over 38 and a half. But can I get that touchdown from Seattle? Is Jim Zorn and this team that incompetent to where I might only get two more field goals? That's not enough. A touchdown, I can almost bank on another field goal. Man, but then again, you saw how inept Josh Johnson was. Some of it just by people around him, if you watch that first game. And also because he just couldn't make a throw or two somewhere late. It was just a complete mess. The Guardians held their own. Make no mistake, their quarterback held their own. Their defense held their own. They deserve to win that game. They earned it at home, and they cover with an outright victory being the home dog. But that game, even after a couple of scores, only dropped to 37.5, went in-game on the under and hit. I just I feel like St. Louis, the problem that you have with the XFL is, unlike the NFL, you can run the ball in a 10-play, I was going to say 70, but like, yeah, 65, 70-yard drive. You could run the ball a lot, if not the whole time. And because the XFL, you're only really taking maybe five, five and a half minutes off. And you know, of course, the two-point conversion, so there's the opportunity to put eight up much easier than in the NFL. These totals can just flip. Now, it still takes execution, and you're not watching top-level football, so that's the drop-off, and that's the noticeable difference, is the lack of consistency. Some of these drives die right there on the vine. Some of these just dead. They look like a player or two, and then all of a sudden it's just you run the football and you lose some yardage, or you get sacked, you lose some yardage, and one little small disruption in your drive, and you're cooked. With all that said, I don't know what to do here. 38 and a half. Now, the difference where I'm at here in PA on the juice is minus 108 on the over to under 38 and a half. I'm laying minus 116. So they're telling me to take the over here. They're going to say, go ahead, stupid. Take the over. We're doing you a favor. Or they're just suckering you because it's like, well, it's a mirage right there in the desert. It'd be like a pool of water after being dehydrated and no water food for as long as you can survive without croaking out there and then seeing this big pool of water and realizing no that minus 108 was fool's gold i don't know and if you haven't been watching this game see i can't throw to you andrew because you haven't been watching this game which is fine because you've got bigger things down in houston like the mls opener and i'm sure the 15th or 16th astros batter that was plunked in his back but There's nothing I can do at this point to convince anybody who hasn't seen this because the flow is everything here. Absolutely everything. All right. One thing I did mention, and I'm surprised I haven't brought it up, and that's why I asked because 
I know that you were off a couple of weeks, or we weren't together a couple of weeks ago, right? Was it two weeks ago? Yeah, last. so I think last week I was with you on Sunday, but I wasn't with you on Saturday. Mm, okay, so that's where I'm torn. I think I've brought up Omniscient, which is the first of the five-leg parlay ride that I'm on. So let me move on because it doesn't matter. I've got a bunch, and I'll figure I'll bring up one an hour. We'll listen to Steve Kerr talk about some mind-boggling thing coming up next because it really doesn't make sense. But I'm going to start this and finish it when we get back. We'll glide right into Steve Kerr. And you know what, man? I'm going under. I don't know if you heard anything or if I convinced you on anything, but the juice just flipped. So the under's now at minus 108. I'm going 38 and a half. Let's rock. We'll ride it out here for the rest of this Seattle uh, St. Louis game. You want to ride it with me, go to your app of choice, legal, illegal, global market, whatever. That's fine. Seven-minute mark. Duke's still leading by three, 18-15 over Virginia. The show is called The Stranger on Netflix. Now, are you familiar with this, Andrew? Have you seen this show? It's a British show, and it's by Harlan Coben, who is an American author and wrote a couple of shows that have now been turned in or books part of me that have been turned into like drop like crime drama type shows i haven't seen it my roommate was actually just talking about the other day recommending me to watch it is that right yeah okay well not to put you on the spot because we are up against the break so i can expand on this coming up next but what do you know if anything of the show based on what your roommate has suggested especially as far as recommending you to watch it because clearly your roommate must watch it and like it um i know very very little of it I, I, i'm trying to think i'm trying to remember what he said i think you he probably said, just tuned him out right? yeah i for the most part tuned him out like i do a lot of the time if it's not bills <laughs> is that it like you really did no no. <laughs> <laughs> no there's nothing wrong with that look i i this is the first time I'm actually living with somebody I could stand, and that's my fiance. So I understand exactly what you're talking about. No, he it was yeah. I'm trying to. It was it was about like somebody discovering stuff about him, right? Is right. That like the basis of it. Okay. So I'll explain what's going on, but the premise is there's a man who's watching his youngest of two sons, eight nine years old, at his soccer match. They're in the bar, restaurant, pub, if you will, following the game. A stranger walks up to him and she says, your wife faked her pregnancy, which she eventually lost, in order to keep you two together. And then it's Bedlam. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. This is Derek's O'Reilly Auto Parts story. After the third time jump-starting my car, I finally realized my battery was dying. So I stopped by O'Reilly to have it checked. They tested it right there in the parking lot. It was bad, real bad. But they helped me find the right battery for my car and even installed it for free. Now my car starts like new. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. At Quicken Loans, our 17,000 team members know that home is so much more than a house. That's because our clients tell us all the time. Hey, this is Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans, and we want to help you save money on your mortgage with some of the lowest refinancing rates ever. Rates are historically low. You may be able to reduce your rate and save money on your monthly mortgage payment right now. Pay off some credit card debt 
or put some money towards that new bathroom or kitchen you've always wanted. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 3.99%. APR, 4.23%. That's right, 3.99%. While we can't predict what will happen in the future, we do know that rates have dropped, and now is the time to save money on your mortgage. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com to learn how refinancing now may be the right mortgage solution for you. That's 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rates subject to change. Pay 2% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states and MLS number 3030. It's time for some straight talk. It's tax refund time, and the big wireless companies play a game where they lure you in with a phone deal that locks you into a pricey contract. Don't play. With Straight Talk Wireless, get a Samsung Galaxy A10e for just 99 bucks, all on America's best networks for up to half the cost. No contract. Make that tax time money win all year long. Straight Talk Wireless only at Walmart. Savings may vary. See straighttalk.com. If your credit card bills have gotten out of hand, call Consolidated Credit now. If you're making the minimum payments, but your balance is just not going down, call Consolidated Credit now. If the interest rates on your credit cards are so high, it will take years to get out of debt, call Consolidated Credit now. They've helped over 5 million people. They can consolidate your debts into one lower payment, reduce your interest rates, and get you out of debt fast. If you're struggling with credit card debt, call Consolidated Credit now. Call now, 800-549-1277. That's 800-549-1277. 800-549-1277. Consolidated Credit Counseling Services Incorporated, 5701 West Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33313. Not a loan company licensed by the New York Department of Financial Services or by the Vermont Department of Financial Regulation. Maryland DM19, Oregon DM80031. Licensed by Virginia State Corporation. Commission licensed under DC32. Establishment of a plan may adversely affect the individual's credit rating or credit scores. Non-payment of debt may be creditors to increase financial charges or collections activity, including litigation. with the root of the issues. It's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. I, I want to call a quick audible here because while we do have live action going on, and I was mentioning in the break, I, I'm just shocked at how inept Seattle is when it comes to them playing football. It's just really difficult to be this bad and you don't have a team that's on the flip side as far as insanely good because even Houston has a defense that's susceptible to giving up some points last week I think isn't totally indicative but it continues to tell a theme that's consistent and I am sure glad that seven minutes ago in game time I did not lay the five and a half on Duke as we've hit a timeout 3.37 left in the first half. Virginia with a three-point lead over Duke. It is a dangerous day to be a top 25 team, especially as high as you go way up until number two today. It is a dangerous day to be ranked. And Duke right now is teetering on falling in line with the other ones right through Villanova here in Philadelphia where we saw that one coming because of how well and strong Providence is playing. All right, so here's what I want to do. Next hour, we're going to go out to the Combine, 
get some insight into what's happening there, any big major storylines. And there is one thing in the NFL that we'll discuss, but we will sprinkle in the Steve Kerr audio because it is valuable and there is this story that has erupted in the NBA before we get into any real action tonight. This Bulls-Knicks game aside, if you're subjected to watching that, then I apologize. You might as well just leave the room. If you can listen to me right now and you're in a room where that game is on, then get out. Uh, Why would you be in that? Why would you be subjecting yourself to that? But a couple of games tonight, including, of course, the Lakers in Memphis, Houston and Boston is the big one. That's 8.30 nationally, Eastern at least, nationally on ABC. And then this whole thing surrounding Golden State will, I'm sure, be discussed and whatever local regional channels will carry the Warriors and Suns. But the Audible I wanted to call, then I'll get back to The Stranger, the show on Netflix that I strongly recommend you take a look and watch, is what happened with Liverpool. Because I asked Carlson, which of the two of you, between you and Belmer, know more about the EPL? Because I admittedly do not know enough. I can piece together conversation about the game and knowing how the game works and nuance a little bit, but not nearly to the level even to have this conversation about the impact of what was the number one trend in the United States for, I don't know, about two or three hours and still is hanging on to number two in the U.S. So Watford ended Liverpool's undefeated streak in which this thing was a major undefeated EPL season and 18-game win streak. So the season, undefeated season came to an end. 18-game win streak came to an end. So I thought to myself, and this is why we have Andrew Carlson here, who is the show's expert, self-proclaimed show expert here on all things soccer from day one in the MLS to the impact of Liverpool losing to Watford 3-0. And according to Stats and Info, just one win shy of tying the longest streak in the history of Europe's top five leagues, 19-game win streak by Bayern Munich back in 1314. Now that's key. The reason why I bring this up before even going to Andrew on this and for you out there who are watching and listening, that's key when you factor in my question that will start with Carlson and then move on with you out there on Twitter because a couple of people have answered at Shander Show if you're watching along as well. But it's not just the number of games that came to an end and it's not just a regular season that came to an end. It's one win shy of tying the longest win streak, not in club history, but the history of Europe's top five leagues. You had to go to the German league, Bayern Munich. That's the difference seven years ago. This is a top five Europe league history in the making that was cut short. So as I put on Twitter, and we'll ask Andrew Carlson ahead of time, what would be the pro slash NCAA equivalent men's, women's, sport, professional, collegiate, what would be the best equivalent to this streak ending? And the reason why I thought UConn, well, I'll just say this. I just thought UConn, but, again, that's just my thousand miles away suggestion. I defer to you, though, as far as what it would be. So I'm going to go with a, a hypothetical here because – with what what happened with Liverpool is in the English top flight, which is the Premier League, 
it was renamed that about 20 years ago. And before that, there are only two teams in about the 130-year recorded history of the English top flight. Wait, that have it's, gone not, undefeated it's no longer the EPL? No, it is. It, was changed, oh, okay. it changed to the EPL about 20-odd years ago. Before that, it was just called the English First Division. God, I thought you were going to further expose my ignorance. <laughs> so there are only two teams in about the 130 or so years recorded history of the English top flight that have gone undefeated for an entire season. So this is a massive, massive deal that they lost. And what I would try and compare it to is if we go back a couple of seasons when the Warriors broke the Bulls record for wins in an NBA season, it would be as if the Phoenix Suns or whatever the second worst team in the league at that time was took down the Warriors in the very back end before of that season before they got there. Wow. Wow. That's a great analogy. So is it safe to say, and I'm going to go sports talk radio host on you. Is it safe to say that we don't have the equivalent that we can point to then? Yes. Uh, okay, we, we now, don't. Hmm, why? Like, why is UConn losing, or I'll give you one that was given to me on Twitter, okay? And, and let's you and I kind of talk through this. Nick Huba from the Press of AC Atlantic City here, who, great follow on Twitter if you're looking for Philadelphia and South Jersey stuff, says... Totally different. UConn has won a bunch of titles during their streak. Liverpool hasn't. More like the Patriots' undefeated season. That's another good one. Yes, okay, but to your point, the Patriots lost to the Giants in the Super Bowl. So the Giants earned their right to be in the Super Bowl. We're not talking about a regular season loss. Like, your analogy, I think, what happened in real life with the Patriots doesn't hold up, right? Yeah, it would have been as if somehow, some way. The Oakland Raiders found themselves in the Super Bowl after going like 4-12 and and then took down the Patriots, which would never happen, obviously. But that's the sort of level, the disparity that we're looking at between Liverpool and Watford. Wow. So, I mean, you might even have something like a team, a winless team. Like if the Bengals last year knocked off a team in Week 15 that was 14-0. and Basically, yeah. Or, or like end of the season. Exactly. Okay. Which is crazy because why ha- – okay, now that you've laid out that hypothetical, we kind of have to scratch our heads because I feel like we have had this. Now, would this be – and we would have to deep, dig a little bit deeper, but would this be like, from an individual standpoint, Mike Tyson losing to Buster Douglas? I mean, something like that? It, it's on that sort of level over there, yeah. Because that's all I'm thinking now – and. Damn it. And I got to watch what I say here. <laughs> because the damn Seattle Dragons did what I feared they would. And they went from awful quarterback to Daniels. And Silvers is now on the bench. Daniels is now the quarterback. And this might actually be the difference between Seattle being one of the worst football teams we've seen in the history of semi to professional football to actually covering a spread and pushing this thing over. Pending what happens here, it's 17-10 with a flag or two, but that is nuts. Now that you've laid it out, I think the best examples would be teams that were cruising, right? Teams that were nearly undefeated. Oh, I'm trying to think. See, St. Joe's had themselves an undefeated season and then lost in the tournament, but that doesn't count because they would be closer to Watford than they would be Liverpool with an undefeated season in college basketball. It's more like, have we had the Goliath 
totally shocked. Now, what does this do? See, there are two different things that Liverpool is going to be in, right? They're going to be in the EPL, which is done, but they're also in the Champions League. In reality, this loss has zero impact on the season whatsoever. Correct. It's, just, it's all about records at this point. Right, which again, I think in we're trying to squeeze apples and oranges into a similar comparison, but that's why it's more like if the Patriots lost Week 17 as opposed to the Giants. Look, they still could have lost to the Giants in the Super Bowl, but this loss would be more equivalent to the undefeated regular season coming to an end by losing to one, if not the worst teams in the NFL, and therefore you going, what, 15-1 and one, as opposed to 16-0. and 0. Exactly. Okay. Now that, that makes more sense, and that's why I understand Nick and others saying it's not UConn because, yeah, UConn, although UConn did lose in the regular season to a team. Didn't they lose to a team that they were, like, favored? And I'm, granted, they're probably favored by double digits the whole time, but weren't they – didn't they lose, or was it like Stanford? I forget, and we don't need to go down, unless you know offhand. We don't need uh, to no go chance. down to UConn women's <laughs> rabbit hole by any means. All right, so the show I recommended is The Stranger. And again, I got a couple more I'll throw throughout here because I've been on this five-leg parlay, and I'm finishing up with this fifth show, and I'm pretty confident it's going to hit. But I look around and, and thought, well, from Omniscient, which I'm sure I've talked about because this is now two weeks in the making that I've binged this show in like a day. The Stranger, and I mentioned, it opens up where you have a guy watching his son play in a football match. It's in England, and this woman comes up. Nobody knows who she is until like the last episode, and she's the stranger and explains to the guy that his wife faked her pregnancy in order to keep them together. So he goes out, immediately confronts her. And then from there, everything spirals out of control. She disappears. You don't know if she left voluntarily, if she goes missing. You don't know what's going on. And the stranger is now meddling in everybody's business. Some people, she's looking at trying to blackmail others. She's just... Being a good Samaritan. It's 25-25 right now at the half. I told you this is going to be Duke's lowest scoring game of the season, and it's going to mess with their minds all game. And so far they have yet to distance themselves by any means. The show is cool, though, because there is also an element of police and crime drama and them trying to solve it, and they do a really good job of connecting the people who have been involved and messed with the stranger, connecting everything together, and it's not a rush. And I'll say this, and there are two shows that I've seen in the last week where you know going into it, and this is the benefit, I guess advantage, if you will, writers had, that it was going to end in one season. Now, sometimes that's a benefit. Sometimes it's like, okay, well, you've got power, wield it, and actually use it. But... The ending of The Stranger was insane. The ending of The Stranger, and I'm not going to give anything away, I promise. But it's as rewarding as it gets. You will not be asking for, oh, I want another one. You won't be asking for any of it. You do get a good amount of reveal. And you do get satisfaction. And you do get closure that you want. But you also get, like, it's... It's impactful, 
and it doesn't it's not cliche. It's not the typical, oh, man, and trust me, you're going to be in situations. This is why I love the show, and hopefully I'm talking in enough generalities to pull you in because I can't give away many specifics without giving away things in the ending. But there will be, let's see, I can count three from remembering the ending in the last two episodes, but there will be three times throughout that show, at least in the last two episodes, in which you're going to be thinking to yourself, oh, man, really? Like, yeah, okay, of course, of course this is going to happen. Of course, as cliche as it gets, the crime police drama, the missing person show, like all this stuff, it's going to be as cliche as it gets. And then it's like, wow, not M. Night. I'm not telling you that it's going to go M. Night crazy and it's going to be some sort of I see dead people reveal, but it is going to get you by surprise. And it's going to get you to the point in which you're like, whoa, okay. Not only didn't I see that, but that actually is cool. Like, that makes sense. And my my emotions that were racing and running and wanting something to happen, they were rewarded, not just, oh, okay, quick cop-out because we either need to extend the show a couple of seasons or we ran out of ideas and somebody needs to close this thing down. But it's worth it. I promise you. I'm in. The stranger, dude. I'm telling you. And what's great about it is the cop drama doesn't take over the family element of the guy who's the main star of it who gets told that his wife faked the pregnancy. So they do a really good job of balancing the two. We'll break end the hour next on Espionation Radio. Above it all. Let's go. We're talking to Super Bowl champion Terrell Davis, two-time at that. Now, how impressed were you as a running back by Derrick Henry's run this past playoff performance season? Yeah, it was pretty impressive. You know, I I, I had a chance to, to obviously watch the games, but as I was watching the games, I'd see these drafts that would come up, and they'd have my name on these drafts as the last player to accomplish what Derrick Henry had accomplished. And, and when I was going through it, I didn't realize it at the time, but it, it really put it in perspective that Derrick Henry, his yard, like 30 yards more than what I had. So the guy was was incredible. And, uh, you know, they finally, the Chiefs found a way to slow him down, which was kind of impossible for a lot of teams. But, yeah, very impressive guy. I hope he gets paid during the offseason. I hope he gets his money. That's the most important thing for him. But they don't want to pay running backs anymore. Above it all with Candace Cooper and Tiffany Marshall. Weekday mornings at 10 Eastern on SB Nation Radio. Introducing AutomotiveMap.com, a brand new website for anyone interested in what's happening in the world of automobiles. From reviews on the latest vehicles to vintage rides to tips on keeping your family safe on the road, AutomotiveMap.com has something for you. If you love cars, trucks, and SUVs, and the amazing technology hitting your favorite showroom, check out the brand new AutomotiveMap.com. The main event. Because I'm good at the gambling. That is erroneous. College football, I am. Everything else, terrible. You got crushed the last time we were in Vegas. No, I won a lot of bets in Vegas. I came back with almost what I left with. Erroneous. You're just mad that I have awesome gambling. I think he's trying to show off he learned a new word. 
erroneous. That's not a that's not a new word. That word's been around forever, and I've incorporated that one. <laughs> not to you. I've so, used that word a ton. Erroneous. Erroneous on both counts. You got to finish the. You uh, know why he used that word? Because he heard it in a movie. The word erroneous has been around for a very long time. I'm aware. I have since I'm been aware saying that the it. word is around for a long time. I have been using it since I saw Wedding Crashers for the first time. Correct. So, uh, so the, the, this idea that oh, he just learned the word erroneous. That is erroneous right there. Erroneous on both counts. Another line from the movie. Yes, that's why I said it. God. The main event, weekday afternoons at 4 Eastern on SB Nation Radio. SB Nation AM. I'm always nervous about the pay it forward thing. You know, In what you, regard? You know, like when you go through a drive-thru? Yeah. I would probably be the guy who's like, hey, free food, thanks. Because I'd be afraid. If it's just me going through a drive-thru, it's like, oh, great, you know, you, you bought my meal. Oh, yeah, that's right. But the car behind me is feeding a volleyball team. Yeah. <laughs> I got to take care of that. <laughs> you kidding me? SB Nation AM with Tony D. Weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on SB Nation Radio. Scratching beneath the surface. It's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts Studios, here's Aton Shander. One thing we have to talk about is actually two things that we have to talk about before we get out of here. And I'm going to hear from the next two hours, so you stuck with me. But this ridiculous video that's gone viral, and hopefully I helped, this high school game that was borderline child abuse in Ohio. And, of course, I kid because it's mild. There are many more serious issues going on, but this is ridiculous, and everybody is a culprit in this video from child to coach to fan to referee, everybody. Max Preps had it yesterday. And the score of the Ohio sectional game was 6-4 to four at the half. These poor boys were forced to just hold the basketball and run the clock down. And the guys on D, they didn't do anything either. So we're going to talk about that. And also, Markel Fultz needs to shut up. Set your system's volume control for slightly above the normal listening level. Let's go. Second-level thinking is defined as looking beyond the easy, obvious conclusions. you got to do some smart thinking. Welcome to the second level. To the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Where we go beyond the box score. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage is with you every step of the way. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's your host, Aton Shander. So, taking a break is, you know, start of the hour of couple of minutes over the network, some commercials, some promos, and then we jump right on here. Just grab you for a couple of minutes before we have time to stretch our arms, and that's exactly what Seattle is doing right now, and shame on me for going under that total as the change in quarterback has really been the difference for the Dragons, something we think we've all predicted. But in the break, you know, doing the show here out of the studio in Philadelphia, and for those of you watching on the stream, you know, the Weimaraner, the dog, is somewhere in and around the studio. So I go upstairs and in the break to grab more water. And I'm looking at the couch, and my fiance's gone. She left the TV on, which is normal. That's fine. And it's one of these regular network 
nightly news programs that's on. But when I went up, because there was, I guess, a delay or whatever the time they went to the break, I'm just looking at this poor dog who's laying on the couch, and his eyes are open staring at me, and it's just one political ad after another in this break. And I'm thinking, if that does stuff to our brain, if that's doing stuff to where it's mushing our brain into either subjection or apathy, one or the other, then what do you think it's doing to these poor animals that are there as well? I mean, it's think of it. It's not just your brain you have to worry about. It's like when you go out in the cold. It's 30 degrees where I'm sitting right here in Philadelphia. I have to put a coat on me. I have to put a coat on my dog. He's a Weimar on his short hair when he goes out. Now I have to worry about what he's passing out to up there. There's some sort of subliminal messages coming through and changing my dog. Over the next week, he's probably going to turn into Cujo. It's like, what the hell? What changed? Well, he fell asleep for three straight nights. All these political ads. He doesn't know what to do. He's just angry. Now you know how the rest of us feel. <laughs> There's controversy out in Golden State. There really isn't, but there should be because somebody doesn't know what the hell they're doing. And we'll try to figure this thing out coming up next. At Shander Show on Twitter, it's SB Nation Radio. Dealing with the root of the issues, it's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. 3128. 1640 to go and counting here. We're technically 17 to go and counting here. As Virginia, see, Virginia trails Duke 3128. It's been tempo all the same. Duke can't break out of it by any means. And where I'm torn right now in this in-game action, if you will, and you don't need to, but if you're looking at where there might be some in-game value here, it really hasn't moved much. And it's kind of back to that five-and-a-half-point in-game line, despite it only being a three-point lead for Duke. So it's a little disadvantage right now for me, maybe too much of a disadvantage for me, to rely on Virginia. And, and that's the problem is we were in this spot with 10 minutes to go in the first half, and it was the same line. And Duke had yet to pull away and just allowed Virginia and could not do anything with that tempo. Now, the total is at 113.5. So this is where you look at maybe Seattle just scores in the XFL. So it's 20-17, to 17, that 11.5-point home line for Seattle is disintegrating as we speak. Where is this home field advantage And everybody there selling out like we were told. Chalk is dying today in the XFL. New York Guardians cover at home. And now it looks like Seattle, with the quarterback change, is en route to doing the same thing. My goodness. 31-28, four-and-a-half point in-game line. Pardon me, six-and-a-half point in-game line as Duke hits the bucket. So... At some point, I think you're going to find some value with Virginia if it gets closer to like eight, maybe nine and a half points. But it's going to need to be really that level of a lead 
in order for me to feel comfortable jumping in. The total really hasn't moved much in the last two minutes of gameplay as it's dropped to two points at 111.5. Now that's low. Especially because you know that both of these teams could use this game. There are going to be some free throws at the end of it. Jump in and take the over right now. 11 and a half, I think, 1 and 11, of course, and a half, is it might be as low as you're going to get it. So if you are expecting a little bit of a tempo push here, and it really only takes about a three- or four-minute stretch for both of these teams to go back and forth, you're going to push that over. 111 and a half would be the one. Now, I'm cooked on, if you took it with me, we're cooked on the 38 and a half in-game total for the Dragons and Battlehawks. It's now more about if you took St. Louis, which seemed to be a pretty safe cover before this game began, and now you look like you might be really bad in a terrible spot because of the quarterback change with Seattle. Jim Zorn's going to look like a genius despite sticking with a guy that led him to a 1-2 and record. That's how this thing works. Already being interviewed right now on the sidelines about this magnificent decision that he made about going to the bench and now playing Daniels over Silvers. It's just a matter of time. It was inevitable. It took too long. It took three games too long. At Shander Show on Twitter, they get me. We're live on the stream as well. Twitch.tv slash Shander Show, Facebook, Periscope. John Belmer's in the house now with me for the final two. And we mentioned in the first hour, I kind of teased this thing with the Warriors. Steve Kerr spoke about Steph Curry being a little disappointed that he couldn't play tonight against the Phoenix Suns on the road and knowing that he's going to have to wait a little bit. I'll let Steve explain this first cut, and then we'll kind of dive in here because this whole situation, and maybe I need to hear Steve Kerr explain it again, but this whole situation just does not make any sense to me. This is Kerr on Curry. Well, he was not thrilled, but... um... You know, Steph is always very rational and easy to speak with, and uh, so he you know, he put up a little bit of a fight, but also understood uh, why we wanted to take extra precaution. So uh, he's you know he's okay with it. But we're kind of being more introduced to this nerve damage aspect of this injury, and obviously you behind the scenes have kind of known what's going on. But uh, how much is that a concern for you? moving forward as you're kind of monitoring zero zero concern in terms of um, re-injuring anything it's just a feel thing for Steph Um, it's nerve damage that term sounds terrible but I think all it really refers to is that area just feels kind of numb to him and so uh, it's not anything of concern uh, for the training staff in terms of re-injury or anything like that it's just just Steph's got to get used to a, a different feeling in his hand. So. More, which we will, because the hand itself is in question and how much you need to actually practice and scrimmaging and other forms of practice all fall under that umbrella before you're actually out there on the floor. Aton Shander, Espanation Radio. We'll go to Indy, gets... Major updates on the Combine, 740 Eastern Time. 812 Eastern Time. We will go out to Golden State before this game, technically in Phoenix, 
and try to figure out what's going on from the inside. But from the outside, it doesn't make any sense. And I refrained from asking this question until after hearing that cut in case it would have been answered immediately by Kerr and it would have sounded redundant or like I brought it up on purpose just to lead into Kerr. No. 2016, St. Louis over Seattle, 1140 and counting in the fourth quarter. That 11.5-point home line right now looking dangerously close to not covering. But the reason why I brought this up is because there's zero reason why, zero reason why Steph Curry should be playing at all. Like, why in the world, if you're a Golden State Warriors fan, let's start there, would you want Steph Curry out with a bunch of guys he ain't going to be playing with, including Wiggins. We don't even know that for sure. There is nothing you can gain for playing a guy right now with these guys around him. And no, it's not like a quarterback with the suspect offensive line where he's going to get hurt or something like that. It's more about why in the world would you even risk this and what are you really gaining from it? And I'll just look at it from a fan standpoint. Major drive going on right now with St. Louis starting to verge, uh, putting up some more points. Nine points right now. You'd be in good shape. You'd actually be covering. I don't know why. Is a, why? Because you're watching one of the worst teams in the NBA because your season's miserable and you need a nice pick-me-up? Is that really worth it? And look, I get that Steph Curry might win you a couple of games and that might be the difference between finishing the worst and third and you're still in the top lottery regardless. This isn't about ruining your chances to finish at the top, although it is nice, trust me, as somebody who's seen that process work out, at least on that end, and know how difficult it is to game and scheme the system. Yeah, it's tough, but... Securing that number one seed when you do and you have the freedom to maneuver and do what you want with it, trade, sign, do what you need to draft, it's definitely a sense of a rewarding feeling because you know how difficult it is to game that system. And yes, you run a little risk to it. I just don't know why all of a sudden you'd want to see one of your favorite players of all time, especially in that franchise, maybe even your favorite of all time, rushed back there on the floor to play with a bunch of guys who just ain't that good. Sixers traded for two of them, and they haven't done squat. This team is garbage. This team is suffocating right now and has zero oxygen for the final stretch of this season. Parading out Steph Curry is as big of a cash grab as you can get to try to bring people in to, I guess, buy season tickets next year. Don't worry. These guys will be back. Don't worry. Steph will be here. Just look. Just look at how good Steph is right now. He's out here. Again, on the surface, it doesn't make any sense. It seems as if it's just a rush job to appease Steph Curry because he, I guess, unlike Clay Thompson, can't come to the grips of how necessary it is to just keep everybody out this year. Take the L. You've already done that. You're 12-47. and 47. Why would you even look 
to change the fortunes of what's happened so far with your basketball team or reward any fan. You've rewarded your fans 15 times over with the dynasty that you created. Even losing Kevin Durant, you're not screwed to any real regard as far as moving forward. You've got maneuverability. You can sign people. You can trade Wiggins. You're going to have a draft pick. You're in a good position. You've amassed a couple of more picks as well. This is far from being out on an island and just lost. So let's listen, because Kerr continues, and he reassures everybody about Steph Curry's hand. The hand's ready. The hand is healed and strong, and, uh, and that's been the case for the last week. Uh, but again, like I told you guys the other day, he's been limited to two scrimmages, um, both scrimmages included um, some random people just <laughs> to, we just found on the street. <laughs> With all due respect to Clay uh, Thompson's pals uh, and our assistant coaches and training staff, uh, we, we needed a higher level uh, scrimmage for Steph to be part of it. And uh, the Santa Cruz option is perfect uh, dealing with uh, you know, a group of guys who are you know, in the middle of their season, towards the end of their season, they're playing at a high level. Uh, it's, this is a much better gauge for him, a much better feel for him. So correct me if I'm wrong, but the Warriors can't really find anybody to get a real scrimmage with Steph Curry. So he's going to return at some point in March to get that scrimmage feel with the guys around him. Is that what I got? I mean, I just want to make sure because that makes even less sense. The fact that the Warriors would look around and say, well, we have got nobody at all to give Steph a run. So instead of even doing this in practice, we're just going to throw him out there in the game and see how he does with all these guys around him, which are essentially practice players and scrimmage players on top of that. What? Something is up. And maybe it's just Steph being stir-crazy, knowing that it's not a Clay Thompson injury. It's not something that is going to truly keep him out into the offseason. But... There's just no reason. I just don't understand why, as a Warriors fan, you would even want to see this. Have you not come to grips with this year being the anomaly? Everybody was out. Didn't matter what Kevin Durant did. He was out. Steph Curry, out. Klay Thompson, out. Yeah, it sucks to see your coach at Draymond and maybe another player or two wrapped up in just a really difficult season. But think about the long-term implications of if you can flip the assets you get from being so bad this year alongside of talent that you can bring in. You're in a driver's seat that's very difficult to find yourself in when it comes to being an NBA owner or an NBA team where you can reward your fan base a combination of both top-level talent and bring in somebody young or use that currency to bring in somebody current. Top five, top ten player. I mean, you see what's going on. I'm talking about Giannis 
being a possibility as far as moving that pick and Andrew Wiggins. It doesn't matter. Everything is always going to be open. Everything will always be out there on the table. Now, there's eight minutes left to go in the fourth quarter. I will give you a detailed update into what's happening with the St. Louis-Seattle game because, once again, this line is very tight. And we're getting close to that point in the game where the St. Louis Battlehawks are not going to score anymore. Even if they get the football back, I mean, there's eight minutes left, so they're going to run and they're going to try to move it on the ground, but they're already up 23-16. Remember, that total is cooked, but can you get any value from that double-digit line? That will go to the Combine coming up in 13 minutes at Shander Show on Twitter, Aton Shander, SB Nation Radio. Scratching beneath the surface, it's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. Duke and Virginia, it's still tight. It will not go away, this tight basketball game. Duke is right now the representation of what's been wrong Today in basketball, BYU Pepperdine aside, I apologize. Now, Kansas survived, but it wasn't easy, especially because it was the rematch of the brawl. Baylor, on the other hand, upset. This is two of their last three they've lost. TCU at home knocks off Baylor outright 75-72, and that raises a lot of questions about Baylor and the futures that have been laid on them, and kind of some confidence level that you have in even making it to the Final Four. This is not just one little small stumble. This is not just one little slip. Two of the last three, after starting 24-1, and is starting to at least scratch your head, if not be really concerned. I think you could be somewhat in the middle, but definitely past the head-scratching moment. FSU, we know, edged out at the end. Clemson at home. What a strange year for Clemson. A couple of huge home victories, including this Duke team that's knotted at 39 apiece with 940 left in the second half with Virginia. Kentucky-Auburn, it's not an upset, if you will, for Auburn to go down, especially since they lost to a higher-ranked team. But Kentucky, that was pretty convincing, especially because they did not let up. They got ahead a little bit in that first half, and they did not let up in the second half. Most disappointing loss of the day, it's probably split. Now, again, of the teams that I didn't mention, because you could argue Baylor and Florida State from a seeding standpoint. But, no, I I still think that between Penn State and Villanova, two PA teams, you can look at the two of them and argue. Look, Villanova lost to a Providence team that is just deadly. The month of February has been so easy for Providence. It's crazy when you look at and, and even a stretch that they've had. It's been pretty significant. You had that win over Butler. I mean, think about this. They lose three straight to ranked teams. Creighton, Seton Hall, Villanova. It's like, all right, now, now what are you going to get? 
Providence falls out of the top. What are you going to get now? They couldn't beat Butler a couple of games before that three-game losing streak. This is clearly a team in the Big East that can't beat anybody above them. Then all of a sudden, they get two straight against ranked opponents, two that they lost to, Butler and then Creighton. And then they lose to just bad basketball teams, and it's like, all right, here we go again. Back to the underachieving Providence Friars. Yet, they've won four straight. Three of those four have come from top 20 teams at the time. And it started with a win against Seton Hall. You throw Georgetown in there, and then it's against Marquette. And now, today, on the road at Villanova. And if anything, they're just continuing to make it difficult for Big East teams to just run away with this thing. And I don't know if it speaks to the depth of the conference or if it just speaks to how difficult and really frustrating at times Providence has been this year. But Villanova had a chance to make a pretty big statement. And this was in front of every, this wasn't on their smaller place on campus. This was right down in South Philadelphia where the Sixers play. They came into this game winners of five straight against teams like Providence, not ranked, somewhere in the middle of the conference, dangerous at times, but you can handle this. And a lot of these games, like nine-point victory for each of the last two, and then they blow out DePaul before that. This was disappointing. This was a team that was a top-12 team for a reason, and with another victory over Providence, had a huge matchup with Seton Hall a couple of days from now. Now it takes a little bit of a hit. With that said, then you have Penn State. And I don't know what's going on here. But Penn State has been a royal, colossal disappointment ever since they got those high top ten props. And they've just continued to expose themselves as of recent. Like, they've lost three of four. The only win they had was a one-point victory against Rutgers where they had to storm back from double digits. Other than that, they have just looked lost. You go back to that Illinois game. On the road in Indiana and then now today in a situation where, yeah, on the road laying points, but you're the better basketball team. And you kind of have to show that at some point. And you just kept falling into the same trap. And despite what Pat Chambers has done on paper, and despite this team looking at a top 20 team heading into the tournament, they have been like Villanova today, but more so Penn State over the last week and a half. Major disappointment. You can't handle success. That's been the theme this year in college basketball. Identifying which teams truly can't handle success. That's your betting guide heading into the conference and then officially the actual tournament. We'll go out to Indy next. You're listening to The Second Level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios with way more than the scores. Here's Aton Shander. 
Alright, so we'll update you as we get closer to hopefully a finale here as Virginia and Duke still tight. That total, that in-game total that we gave you, if it gets closer to it. And, of course, the final timeout in St. Louis for Seattle. This game is, we think, all but a finality here. But, again, you never know, especially if they turn this football over. But bigger, more important things to do in the NFL. And that's where we find Scott Wright. You can follow Scott on Twitter, at Draft Countdown. All things Combine, Indianapolis, and more, because you know it's not just about young men in the NFL. So much discussion about free agency and futures of players. Scott, Aton Shander, SB Nation Radio. First and foremost, appreciate your time tonight. Thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. Good to be with you. So let's look at this year. It seems like, I don't know if it's maybe just a little quieter and there are far less crazy stories that come out. I guess the 37 parking tickets was one of the more bizarre ones. But has it been kind of like that when you're looking at the combination of the X's and O's and looking at all the data that comes out of this and also the drama and storyline that maybe surrounds it? It seems a little quiet this year. Yeah, we had some fireworks yesterday with a couple of the offensive linemen putting up just some absolutely freakish test results. Uh, a guy who's 364 pounds ran a little over a five flat. Uh, uh, Tristan Worst from Iowa just blew it up out, out, out the doors. But uh, but obviously offensive linemen, they're not as, as sexy as some of the other prospects. Uh, and then Henry Ruggs from Alabama, the wide receiver, there was a lot of talk that maybe he threatened the record for the 40-yard dash, which was 422 only ran a 427 which is world class speed but i think that's the only time guys run a 42 and it's considered disappointing but uh but yeah i think some of the skill position uh we didn't see some huge results there like we we tend to but uh but we still have the defense going today now and then tomorrow the defensive backs we should see some really fast flashy times there and and then i think too a couple of the big name quarterbacks weren't able to do anything on the field joe burrow opted not to work out by choice because uh, he's the presumptive number one overall pick although he reportedly killed it in the interviews of teams and really impressed there. And then Tua Tagovailoa from Alabama uh, with that hip injury, he wasn't medically cleared. Uh, but the good news is he spent 10 hours at the hospital during doing med checks or earlier in the week, uh, and apparently it's all coming back good. He's on pace to work out for teams before the draft on April 9th. So uh, assuming everything keeps checking out for him, he's in line to be a top three to five overall pick. But, but that's definitely some star power that we didn't have on the field, and more of the stuff is happening behind the scenes. So let's look at the two quarterbacks, because clearly Joe Burrow not throwing one football at the combine is not going to impact whether or not Cincinnati takes him. But you laid out the injury concern for Tua and how, if it clears, you still think that he's projected high. How much, assuming he's a healthy, clean bill of health and you move forward, how much does him not throwing impact him, if at all? It doesn't hurt him too bad because there's a long history of top quarterback prospects not throwing at the scouting combine. And ultimately with his medical situation, and not even necessarily this specific injury, but the, the, the history of injuries. Uh, this wasn't his first rodeo. He had a couple ankle injuries as well. And I guess he was kind of worried that he's great when he plays, but is he going to be able to play an entire season? But ultimately it's not going to be a black or white issue. It's going to be a gray area. Each team's probably going to come at it from a different angle depending on how risk adverse they are uh so it's going to come down to a team-by-team basis with Tua but 
ultimately, I still think he goes really early. I think his floor is the Dolphins at five or the Chargers at six. And when all is said and done, I think somebody's trading up with the Lions at number three to get him. Wow. What do you make of what's happened with Jalen Hurts and kind of the discussion that's centered around him? I even saw today people saying that it's going to be a similar scenario to where he's going to outplay his draft position similarly to Dak Prescott. I think Dak Prescott was more polished of a passer coming out, but but in Jalen Hurts' defense, he's shown improvement a lot, every step of the way in the past year. Not only in his senior seasons at Oklahoma, he became a better passer, then he looked better down at the Senior Bowl, and he looked pretty good uh, throwing the ball at the Combine here as well. Personally, I have him as more of a developmental quarterback with the round four or five grade, but he's, there's potential there, and he's so impressive. His character is an intangible that I wouldn't be shocked if the team pulled the trigger on him on day two. Uh, and, and I tell you what, for, for being a quote-unquote mobile quarterback, there's no better time to come along. Uh, you can argue that those guys are more valuable than they've ever been in the NFL, if not teams necessarily looking for their own Lamar Jackson. I mean, there's only one Lamar Jackson. A guy like that comes along every 15, 20 years. Uh, the only guy I can compare him to is Michael Vick. But if you have a quarterback like Lamar Jackson – you want a similar style that can come in and if something happens to Lamar so you don't have to change your entire offense. So uh, it, for Jalen Hurts, he's coming along at the right time. Scott Wright joining us at Draft Countdown, the website draftcountdown.com, Aton Shander, SB Nation Radio. Was there anybody in the days that you've watched so far, and I know you said defense, we have a couple more positions specifically to get to. You referenced the crazy day that the O-line had, but was there anybody specifically before you came into this combine that you saw, Scott, that you yourself grade higher now and you think might have significantly improved their draft status? Yeah, and it's important not to overreact to what happens on the workouts. You don't want to overvalue, but at the same time, there's a reason they do this. There's a reason they put on these events, Uh, and and honestly, it's more the other way. There's a couple of guys who who really underperformed, but somebody who overperformed is Albert Akue Boonham, the tight end from Missouri, not only on the all-name team in this draft, but (laughs) ran a 4.49 40-yard dash at almost 265 pounds and 6'5", and uh, it doesn't necessarily match up with what you see on the field. He's a good athlete. I don't know if he's that good of an athlete. It might be a little bit of manufactured speed, but that definitely opens some eyes. And, and tight ends is one of those positions where it's one of the weakest crops in this class and where teams are kind of having to dig a little deeper trying to differentiate these guys. Uh, I think that's definitely going to help him. So, so that's definitely one that stood out. And then A.J. Dillon from Boston College, the running back, uh, kind of, you kind of have this this uh, idea of him as a slow, lumbering, unathletic guy because he's almost six one. He's two hundred forty seven pounds, but tested really well. He had a forty one inch vertical leap. He ran a a four five three forty, and and uh, talk about another guy coming along at the right time. Those big backs, they're they've kind of been out of vogue in recent years. But Derrick Henry's emergence this past season. Uh, if you're looking for your own Derrick Henry in this draft, A.J. Dillon's probably the closest you're going to get. So I think he helped himself by working out better than expected. I should mention your pinned tweet, of course, at Draft Countdown is just that, the pronunciation guide, where you have a couple of all-name, I'm sure, honorable mentions, if not leaders in there, but you lay it out for everybody. So there's no excuse, right, because you've cleared it up as far as Tua's last name to Albert's last name. You notice that I'll let you do all I'm just saying, you have done all the due diligence, the hard work for everybody out there. I, I, I tell you what, even with the pronunciation guy, there's a few that are tough. I tried to pronounce, there's a cornerback from Who's Auburn. Who's the most difficult? I tried to pre- 
it's this cornerback from Auburn. I tried to pronounce his name on the radio the other day, and I absolutely butchered it like three times. It sounded <laughs> like I had a stutter. So, uh, so yeah, I, he's definitely at the top. I got to work on that one. But I'm pretty happy that I got Albert Akue Boonham down. Look, you nailed that one. And to be honest, I wouldn't have known the difference, so I'm just going with it. It, it sounds great. <laughs> but, yeah, you're right. There are a couple of these. I remember years ago when I was doing updates for SiriusXM, they would give us these packets of every NHL player phonetically spelled out first and last name and basically being like, all right, there's no excuse now if you botch this name in an update. And, of course, it was very difficult. And I say this with a first name of Aton spelled E-Y-T-A-N, so I'm used to this by all means. But I think this is amazing, man. You have got – what would you guesstimate all the names on this list? There seems to be what every single is it every single prospect or just the ones that are difficult to you think um, pronounce? Every player in my rankings that I thought had a name that was even kind of borderline, I went to the school's media guide and got it. So I, I always figure, you know, hey, if I'm going to be talking about these guys, I want to be able to uh, pronounce their names right and give them the proper credit. So I always pride myself in that. And uh, yeah, there's. There's probably, what, a couple hundred names on the pronunciation At guide? least. Scott, how long did it take for you? This is incredible. Seriously, here's the reason. is because otherwise you'd have to wait for, like, the AP to do this and send this out. But you've done this specifically with draft prospects. I think this is awesome. I tell you what, if my colleagues, it's one of their favorite things I do on the site. All my colleagues use it, too. So it's uh, definitely a popular feature. And it takes a good day to go through all the media guides and collect them all. I'm sure. All right, let's look at the flip side because you brought it up, and now I'm curious – Give us maybe one or two names that you've identified for the first couple of days that have truly disappointed you. And again, we always look at this thing. I'm in Philly, man, so I know all about from Mike Mamula on. But nobody's jumping to any real conclusion. But I'm just curious because we all have our preconceived notions or ideas of how somebody should perform. And when they underperform, it is a little bit of a shock. Yeah, I think the name that stands out mostly is uh, Trey Adams, the offensive lineman from Washington. Early on in his college career, he looked like an early first-round pick, but had some bad injuries that later on in his college career missed a couple of full seasons, basically, and did not test very well at all. Only ran a 5-6 flat, tested near the bottom of all the offensive linemen in just about every category, and uh, and also the medical checks. I think the medical grades are really going to hurt him. So he's a guy that, even today, some people are still talking about him as a second- or third-round pick. I think he's really going to slide in the draft. And then I think some of the running backs didn't perform quite as well as we might have expected. Uh, uh, there's a few that kind of stand out there, but uh, Clyde Edwards-Dillaire from LSU only ran, a, 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 I believe, a 4-6 flat, which isn't great. And, and we've seen time and time again with running backs, it's more of that short area quickness that's more important. So I don't think that's going to impact his grade that much, but a 4-6-0 time for him was a little surprising. Another name where medicals, I think, are going to impact him is Zach Moss from Utah. He ran a 4.65, uh, but he was dinged up. Well, the reason he ran because he was dinged up because he wanted to show that injuries weren't a problem because he has a long history of injuries. So that's another name that people are talking about is maybe a second or a third-round pick, and he may end up sliding a little bit. And then one other name who really helped himself, I think, is Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin, mm. uh, the running back. Yeah. Super productive in college and and. I was a lot faster than most people gave him credit for. People that really follow it, I think, thought we're gonna, he was going to run well, but he ran even better, 4-3-9. And I think in the past couple months or so, he's been lost in the shuffle. Everyone talks about DeAndre Swift from Georgia and J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State battling to be that first running back off the board. But I think with his test results, Jonathan Taylor put himself very much right back into that mix if he wasn't already. 
Is there a name or maybe just a position that you are salvating at the thought of watching as the combine comes to an end this week? It was definitely the wide receivers. Uh, this is not only a great crop of wide receivers, it's maybe historically great. Uh, and not only at the top, you had some big names. I mentioned Henry, Henry, uh, Henry Ruggs uh, from Alabama, but also his teammate Jerry Judy at Bama and yep. Stevie Lamp from Oklahoma. They all look good, but it's the depth of this wide receiver class that is just incredible. It's the type of the year that you're going to get a second-round value in the fourth or fifth round. And I think you're going to see teams that even don't need wide receivers, the values just make too good. They're going to have to take them. So uh, this is an incredible crop of wide receivers, and no matter what type of player you're looking for, do you, you want a small, fast guy? Do you want a big, fast guy? Do you want a possession receiver? Do you want a slot receiver? There is something for everybody. So uh, this wide receiver class really lived up to the hype. And, and one name especially, Chase Claypool from Notre Dame, who's one of my personal favorite prospects in this draft, came in at 238 pounds at 6'4". A lot of people were talking, well, maybe he's going to convert to tight end, but I've been saying the past few months, he's going to run a lot better than people think. And sure enough, he ran a 4-4-2. Mm. Uh, and he's a better prospect than his former teammate, Miles Boykin, who went in the third round last year. So if he's available anywhere outside the second round, he's going to be a steal for someone. Awesome stuff, Scott. This is really great, especially for people that are kind of following along and get a lot more detail, a lot more of the variables filled in. They can get everything from you at draftcountdown.com, right down to how to pronounce the second or third round pick of their favorite team. This is awesome. Scott, again, Scott Wright at Draft Countdown on Twitter, draftcountdown.com. Appreciate everything you do, man, especially finding these names for us. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. You got it, man. Good stuff, man. Some great information. And if you're looking at coming up now, defense, depending on where you're at, mention the wide receivers as deep, historically deep as it may be. And selfishly, that's all I'm thinking about is if my Philadelphia Eagles can maneuver and find a way to secure a top talent at a position they desperately need to fill. So if you are in my boat and are rooting for a team similar in that situation, you just hear Scott Wright break down how historically good these wide receivers can be. Uh, that should bring a smile to your face unless, of course, you're stuck in the back end of the draft. And even still, my Eagles make the playoffs, but there's some thought that they might use some currency, move up. It's not out of the realm of any type of true possibility to do that. All right, we'll look at the college big board here coming up as Duke and West Virginia in Virginia are still knotted. Duke cannot get away at all in trying to avoid being the latest ranked team to suffer an upset. And speaking of which, this night is far from over. San Diego State about to tip off at home, or pardon me, on the road against Nevada, Maryland, Michigan State as well. We'll wrap the hour next on SB Nation Radio. So I was telling John, I just... I. Leaping, I said, hate Virginia because it's not all their fault. But I feel like Virginia is the college basketball equivalent of when you're stuck in traffic and the car in front of you doesn't take advantage of the opening. And again, it's not like you're going to be able to to go 50 miles, 60 miles per hour now on the road, but it's like you could at least start moving. And they just sit there, and you kind of have to give them a little bit of a honk. 
and then eventually they move. But if you're stuck in traffic for you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 minutes and you're behind that same car, it just pisses you off. Just move. You get a turnover, push it. You get a defensive rebound, a stop, just push it. And they have numbers and they pull back. It's so frustrating to watch this basketball team. My goodness. I can't imagine having to root for them. By the way, they're up. <laughs> they're leading Duke. Unbelievable. Set your system's volume control for slightly above the normal listening level. Let's go. Second level thinking is defined as looking beyond the easy, obvious conclusions. You've got to do some smart thinking. Welcome to the second level. To the second level. On SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Where we go beyond the box score. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage is with you every step of the way. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's your host, Aton Shander. Third hour, and we're not going to waste any time. Six minutes from now, we're going to go out to Golden State. Dieter Kurdenbach, who, of course, covers the Warriors, is going to join us, and we'll get some answers as to what Steve Kerr was really talking about, what Steph Curry really wants, and if, in fact, there are Warriors fans out there clamoring to see Steph Curry this year, which... Seems a little odd, but again, I'm not there. I'm not covering the team. That's why we want to ask Dieter at least to get some insight. We also have a final in the XFL, so I don't want to hear anybody complaining anymore. You got offense this week. Seattle right now covers the spread on the road. I don't know if that's enough to keep butts in the seat out in Seattle as their team suffers another loss, but really, I think the country should care about two things before they care about what happens on the scoreboard, and that's covering gambling and, of course, fantasy. So today, you got two dogs that covered. And when you have two dogs covering in only two games, I think it adds a little more value to how difficult this league can be to bet on. And that now is going to add a little more intrigue. You're going to see some heavier lines. You're going to see a little more movement. Tomorrow, you might even see it. Tomorrow, in-game, you might even see some of it. San Diego State and Nevada are just tipped off in Nevada. It's a five-point line that closed, and we'll see if, in fact, they have anything to play for as they, in the Aztecs, already dropped the banner and lost to UNLV. We'll see if, in fact, they can even beat Nevada tonight let alone cover that spread. Looks like Duke is cooked. So add them to the list. Wow. What a day today. Three seconds left. Virginia on the line. And this is pretty much it. Write them off. This was a bad day to be ranked. You had a couple of teams that survived, including Kansas, but they barely survived on the road. Dieter Kurtenbach next on the Warriors. You're listening to The Second Level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, with way more than the scores, here's Aton Shander. The hand's ready. The hand is healed and strong, and, um, and that's been the case for the last week. Uh, but again, like I told you guys the other day, 
He's been limited to two scrimmages. Um, both scrimmages included um, some random people. Just <laughs> to, we just found on the street. <laughs> With all due respect to uh, Ray Thompson's pals uh, and our assistant coaches and, and training staff, uh, we we needed a higher level. Uh, scrimmage for Steph to be part of it and uh, the Santa Cruz option is perfect um, dealing with uh, you know, a group of guys who are you know, in the middle of their season towards the end of their season they're playing at a high level um, it's, this is a much better gauge for him a much better feel for him Steve Kerr of course and made a lot of news earlier and still being discussed right now across social media and Radio shows, idiots like myself trying to figure this stuff out. So we go to an expert anytime the Golden State Warriors in the news out west. Dieter Kurtenbach, of course, covers all things sports for the Bay Area News Group. Dieter.news, at Dieter on Twitter. Aton Shader, SB Nation Radio. Appreciate your time, man, as always, and the insight. Let's start with what Steve Kerr kind of opened up with and. Is Steph Curry, in your opinion, going to play at some point this season? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he'll probably play here end of the week, maybe against Toronto on Thursday. Uh, he, he's fully expected to play. The hand's fine. Uh, there, there are some lingering nerve issues, but it's the left hand, and they expect that that will come around at some point. It comes down to conditioning, and for whatever reason, the Warriors don't feel like he is in good enough shape to, uh, to take the floor and kind of do the full Steph Curry thing that they want him to do. If he's going to go out there, they want him to be 100%, and that's, of course, more than just the hand. That requires you to get your wind a little bit. So that's going to be the difference, you think, in, in the matter of maybe a week? Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. They'll, um, they're playing tonight against the Suns, so it's not as if he's going to be able to get really any run there. He's been right. warming up before games and looking good. They play again tomorrow night, uh, which was the game that many expected him to play, kind of the date that he had circled on his calendar against the Wizards, so that's that. But they'll have a couple of days of practice before that game Thursday against the uh, defending champion Raptors, a rematch of last year's finals. Uh, It would be stunning to me, considering that there's no doubt that he could take the floor and play now. He just wouldn't be all that effective, according to Kerr and others with the Warriors. He would just he'd get winded pretty fast. They'd have to pull him out, and it would probably be pretty messy for all parties involved. They want to be able to try him in his normal rotations, get to understand what he looks like with Andrew Wiggins, with Draymond Green on the floor with some of these new guys that they expect to stick around for next year. If he's having to come out after three or four minutes because he just can't keep up with the pace of an NBA game, even an NBA game with one of the worst teams in the league on the court, um, it just just doesn't do that much good. So a couple more scrimmages, I'm sure that that should get the job done. Now, if he doesn't play on Thursday and we're pushing beyond this, then there's bigger questions at hand. But right now it's just the fact that they don't think he's in full game shape, and it's hard to believe that, honestly, he would be. So let me ask this from 3,000 miles away who saw the tank 
up close and personal here in Philadelphia and guys who had a finger injury, Dieter, as you know, get shut down for mm-hmm. four months on purpose. So I ask this not knowing nearly the, the situation internally and also with the pulse of the fan base like you have. It's a very yeah. open-ended question. Why? Why the need to even play him this year from the re-injury to where they are mm-hmm. in the standings to how many guys are truly going to be here next year? It's as open-ended it is against Dieter, but why? Why play him this year? <laughs> well, I appreciate open-ended questions. It gives me a lot of leeway to get the right answer. Um, <laughs> it, it's, be, it's because they, they got this guy, Andrew Wiggins. It's because that mm. they don't really have any of the, the warriors that we've all kind of come to know and either love or hate. Uh, this is an entirely new team, and it's changed about 10 times over, 15 times over mid-season. It's Draymond Clay, who won't play until next year, and Kevon Looney, that's it. And Steph, that's the core. There's no Andre Iguodala. There's none of these guys that were all on this journey. So Steph Curry has to learn how to play with a bunch of guys that outside of three games at the beginning of the season when D'Angelo Russell was on the team and it wasn't looking too hot, um, he's never played with before. And he's the point guard of the team. Chemistry matters. And, and for the Warriors to just think like, ah, it'll all get figured out. This will be normal. This will be fine. Um, that, that's no good, especially with Wiggins. They, they feel really confident that Wiggins being a wing is going to be a much better fit for this team. And I think that the evidence is already pretty much in their favor than D'Angelo Russell ever was. And they had a lot of questions about if Russell and Curry could play together. They never really saw that come to fruition. But um, they, they need to make sure that Wiggins is actually going to be able to keep up with Steph. And that's another reason why they want to make sure that Steph's conditioning is there, that his mind and his body can keep up with the way that Steph Curry plays, which is a mile per minute. He's not thinking these things through. Uh, they need to build up some sort of, you know, t- telekinetic rapport or whatever and, 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 getting, and just getting into each other's rhythm. And if, if honestly, Wiggins can't do that in, say, the final 20 games of the year, then they have to seriously consider maybe moving on from him at the end of the year and maybe attaching him in a trade to go get somebody else. But I mean, the Warriors have cut dudes in the past because they just couldn't keep up with Steph Curry. Steph is going to freewheel and and, and play with a a loose joy. It sometimes feels very improvisational. It's all very much planned. He just plays at a much faster pace than almost anybody in the NBA, and it's hard to find guys that honestly can can keep up, both intellectually and physically. They they believe that Wiggins can do it, but they got to see it, and they certainly don't want to be figuring this out at the beginning of next year, a season that, with some of the assets that they have, not just the, the draft pick that's going to be very high, but also the Andre Vidal trade exemption, which is worth about $17 million, and the Timberwolves' first-round pick next year or the year after that, depending on how bad it is, um, it, they feel like they're in a position to where they can compete for a title again next year. So they want to get some momentum going into that season. And, and Steph Curry is the first to last the everything for this team now. So keeping him on the bench... Uh, it doesn't really do them much good in the build-up for next year. They can treat this as somewhat of a preseason. All right, see, now, Dieter, that open-ended answer now gave me about four or five different follow-ups here. So <laughs> let's That's start. the idea, right? Yes, exactly, which is perfect. So let's start with the first thing that came in my mind here, and that's how realistic of a look are you really getting with Steph and Wiggins when you don't have Clay Thompson on the floor? Well, the thing is, Clay kind of knows his spot, and Clay's not a freewheeler who's going to bend the offense to play around him very much. Clay is just in one of 
a few spots. And frankly, because he's pretty much just the shooter. Now he's obviously an incredible defender. So the defense is going to be a little bit tricky to figure out, but on the offensive end, you can just put a guy there and just say, just stand here, just run the, run the clay set and just be open and knock down a shot. Maybe if you could, now no one's going to do it at the same level clay can, but um, they, they feel like they can at least assimilate some of that uh, and, and get a pretty good thing. Whereas it's a lot harder to recreate a Draymond Green, who's a point guard slash power forward slash center kind of player. And it's really, it's impossible, frankly, to recreate a Steph Curry with the way that he is able to bend defenses with the gravity that he has as both a ball handler and an off ball player. So yeah, it's not just, a, it's not perfect, but they feel like of all, you know, kind of the three core players, Clay Thompson is honestly the easiest one to at least marginally recreate so that they can get a good vibe for it with Steph and Draymond around Wiggins. They feel like they can get a pretty good, not perfect, but pretty good read on, uh, on what they're going to have going into next year and if that's a viable core for 2020-2021 in the future. Dieter Kurdenbach joining us at Dieter on Twitter, Dieter.news. Of course, is the site Bay Area News Group sports columnist. So all things here tonight, of course, with the Warriors. So let's look at this now. In your opinion, it's a hypothetical. What and technically who has a higher chance of being moved come the off season? Is it the pick that the Warriors will secure for how bad they are this year, or Andrew Wiggins on the move? That's a great question. Um, I would venture to say that um, it would be it has a very good chance of being this year's pick. I think that there's not going to be as much interest in Wiggins. Uh, I, I don't think that the Warriors pixie dust, if that truly exists, has fully um, you know blown on to him quite yet. I think a lot of teams around the NBA are interested to see what the Warriors are able to do. Mm-hmm. 20 games is going to be an interesting sample size. We'll see how many of those Steph actually plays, but um, I, I don't think it's enough to where everyone will just say, oh, he's fixed and anyone can do this. And he's certainly a great asset. And that contract isn't onerous at all. So uh, it, it'd be very difficult for them to do that. Whereas the draft pick, um, to be fair, I, I'm not sure that that draft pick is going to be as valuable as maybe some will make it out to be just on the basis of, I don't think this is a very good draft, but um, it, it's a lot easier to move move that than it is to move a guy who has a pretty locked-in reputation as an underachiever and who is on one of the biggest contracts currently in the NBA. I just don't see too many teams looking to make something like that happen. Now, don't rule out both of those things moving in, sure. uh, in a direction to make it happen. That, sure. If anything, they're probably going to be paired together, in addition maybe to that first-round pick that they got from the Timberwolves for next year, which the Warriors are confident, and I think that they have every reason to be so, uh, is going to be a very high pick given – given how poor the Timberwolves' defense at the very least will be going into next season. Dieter, I have him as a nine-and-a-half-point dog, road dog, of course, oh, yeah. in Phoenix tonight in PA, legally here on FanDuel. What do you think? They Can can they <laughs> cover that line tonight? They're getting nine-and-a-half in Phoenix, of all places. I am pounding the nine-and-a-half. In fact, I'd take that. If you can get an alternate line, I'd get that thing all the way up to 15, 16. They're going to be playing Kavon Looney at point guard tonight for stretches. They have no point guards. Wow. Uh, it's not just Steph. They're all the way down. They're, they're out there, guys who are on 10-day contracts. Half of this team is on 10-day contracts, it seems. Pound the Suns. The Suns uh, are playing some actually attractive basketball. They, they kind of fall over themselves every now and again, but they at least have players. The Warriors 
don't have any players. So if you can get that nine and a half, do it. Wow, you know what? That makes total sense to me. I'm definitely doing that. Uh, last one for you, sir, and always appreciate it, man. It's a great convo whenever we have you on the network here. I don't know if you saw the article that kind of popped out from Glenn Robinson the third, as he's now a member of the Sixers, and I told you, you know, I'm here in Philadelphia doing local stuff and, and covering that team. Right. But he was kind of shocked to not really know about his role, and it was like, dude, you're here to knock down threes and not be a turnstile. He was he missed every single three and was basically a turnstile on D. What what happened? Was it just guys that were playing well on a bad team? It's just so mm-hmm. difficult to transfer over, or do you think that there was something going on where, where maybe just he was disappointed to truly leave Golden State? Well, he was definitely disappointed to leave Golden State because they really liked him, and um, I, I've never I've never seen before two guys and him and Alec Burks getting traded to a team that maybe maybe not. I mean, this is another conversation for another day, but at least you could lie and say that they're a possible championship contender in the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers. <laughs> not this year, but from, <laughs> right? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> they're getting traded from the worst team in the NBA, right. Barnum to a team that is at least uh, going to make the playoffs and be pretty interesting, and they yep. were depressed. They were sad. It says something about the Warriors' culture, mm. which everyone has kind of made fun of, and I get it because it's kind of a fake term these days. Everyone thinks they have it. No one really does. But when you're getting traded from the worst to the first, most of the time guys are ecstatic. And yet these guys were, were definitely downtrodden. I'd expect Glenn Robinson back with the Warriors next year. And to be fair – I'm not sure he had all that much value. He he gave the Warriors some spurts. There were a couple of games where you go, hey, there might be something here. But that's not any different than his prior stops. He is not that great defensively. He was getting better. Uh, Draymond Green was helping him a lot on that end of the court. It doesn't surprise me that with that beat out, it's not going to look all that great. He doesn't have that backup behind him. And he's just, a, he's just a streaky shooter. And I don't think that he has that high of the ceiling. So not all that surprising that that Glenn Robinson III hasn't worked out. Let's not forget that he was only offered a contract by one team this past offseason, and that was the Warriors, who were up against a hard cap and needed cheap veteran uh, labor, and, and he kind of fit the mold at that time. So, um, yeah, I, I, I wish him the best. He's a really great guy, uh, and hopefully he can kind of come through. I know that everybody with the Sixers is hoping that it's some, at some point clicks. Right. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it doesn't surprise me at all that uh, – that it's been a little bit of a tricky transition for him going to Philadelphia. If for no other reason than uh, he liked it here. Uh, he wasn't as good as maybe most people thought that they were getting in Philadelphia. And I'm not sure that anybody's getting the, I'm not sure anybody in Philadelphia is getting the best out of the players on the 76ers <laughs> right now. I think that that might be an overarching issue. Definitely on the road. You're right. It's like a college <laughs> team and unranked squad. Dieter, I appreciate it, man. I got a jet, but this is always informative, entertaining as well. At Dieter, Dieter.news. Thank you as always, man. Anytime. Bye. You got it. Dieter Kurdenbach is where you can follow him as well on Twitter. We'll get to something he mentioned. No, not about Glenn Robinson III and the Sixers, I promise, but about Steph Curry and this year's team. Because when we brought this up earlier, the biggest question that I had was, who is he playing with that's going to be there next year? And I still wasn't really convinced this whole thing is worth it. But he did a hell of a job, I think, shining a lot of light on this story. We'll do that next at Shander Show on Twitter. It's SB Nation Radio.
You're listening to The Second Level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios with way more than the scores, here's Aton Shander. Yeah, there's so much to take away today because a couple of these teams who lost are perennial letdowns. Like, they just let you down. They've let you down. Maryland right now is down, and they were down 10, I believe, at one point. Took them on the money line. Like, what the hell? They, they've they let me down so many times this year. Why not once more? Now, to nobody's shock, I'm sure, San Diego State involved in a battle here as Nevada with a one-point lead, Nevada at home. But San Diego State, like Baylor, can't afford to limp into any tournament, including the conference tournament. It's not going to impact where they are in the conference tournament seating. They already wrapped up the regular season, but it's more about momentum and how easy it is they can be knocked out of this thing early on. Like, they're susceptible to that. Here comes Maryland. I'm not going to say a word. I'm just going to let it live. I'm going to let it breathe because I've been burned so many times this year by this team, much like I'm sure you out there with Penn State. Baylor now has let us down. Florida State, despite them being up there, that's a tough loss on the road to Clemson. But Duke is another one. Duke loses recently just now in the last couple of minutes to last 20 minutes it's become final. And they lose to Virginia. Low-scoring, just awful, ugly game by Duke. They put up 50 points. Embarrassing. That's all they could muster, and they let Virginia dictate. They let Virginia control everything. It was, as predicted, right in the first half, early in the first half, it was, and I'm just skimming through to make sure that there wasn't anything even close, it was by a mile. Dare I even say a country mile. The lowest scoring output that they've had all year. How pathetic can you get? Duke right now has lost three of four. Those three losses all to unranked teams. They got beat double digits at Wake Forest where they put up 100. I mean, imagine you're Duke and you put up a Buck 01, you put up 101 points on the road, and you lose to an unranked team. Where is the trust right now in a squad like Duke? How can you look yourself in the mirror after seeing this team right now limp into the end of the season? They've got NC State and UNC. UNC right now, even though they're hosting UNC, as bad as they are, nothing is a given for this Duke team. They've lost at home. This year, bad. Now they lose on the road. They can't do anything on the road. Three of their last four, all three on the road to unranked teams, and all three by, except for this last one here, two of the last three double digits, and all three just letting the other team control. 52-50. Yeah, don't get caught up on how close this game is. And I told you I wasn't going to say a damn word about Maryland because they get up 23-22 and give up eight straight points. Man, I don't know if you'll find as bad as Duke is and as much as you shouldn't be trusting anything Duke is doing right now, 
Is there a worse? Like, even the record and the ranking, you just combine the two. Just look at the top 25 as it stands right now before you actually will see some movement based on what happened today. Is there a worse team right now than Maryland? Maryland is a top 10 team, and they constantly let you down. They underachieve routinely. They're the equivalent of the Utah Jazz. They instill zero fear in their opponent. And if they get down, there's just nothing at all that you can point to and say, all right, you know, get on a run. And for some reason, they just haven't been punished by their losses. They've had a couple of bad ones, I guess because of their record, but there's not that big of a jump between Maryland right now atop the Big Ten and, let's say, a Virginia team that just beat Duke that's only, what, four wins behind where Maryland would be on the grand scheme of things. Maryland, they just they, they get beat by Ohio State. And then that lone victory against Illinois during this run because they got hot. And because they got hot against bad basketball at the bottom end of the Big Ten, people forgot that mini losing streak and people forgot how bad they were at Penn State earlier and just their ability to underachieve. They take on cupcakes early in the season, and then they beat up on bad teams in the Big Ten, and they get thrust up there to the top ten. They stink. Scratching beneath the surface, it's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. So just to recap, Michigan State up right now by seven, and Maryland had it right there. They were up. They battled back after being down. It was 17-5, I think, early on, 23-22, and just turning into Maryland. Unbelievable. XFL, the day is over. Both dogs cover. So, I don't know what you want. The Guardians win early on. They give the New York crowd a little boost. L.A., Josh Johnson regresses immediately back to the week two mean. My goodness, that was painful to watch. As somebody who thought Johnson would just slide right in there and pick up where he left off. Yeah, cross country, no problem. On the road, no problem. Heavy favorite, no problem. Weather, no problem. This dude played a decade in the NFL. You're talking about XFL talent, no problem. Except there were a ton of problems. And that's all he dealt with, problems. And I guess you have to credit everything New York did because the Guardians took control of that game, at least defensively. And now, especially moving on from that quarterback, my goodness, McGloin, you at least have some light in front of you at the end of the tunnel. Michigan State, but you got guys on the floor right now dribbling. This is like the Globetrotters. Maryland is just lost. Why? Why in the world would anybody trust this team? Another loss for Duke as well. It's not the ACC or the Big Ten teams at top just being susceptible to losses because it was a huge upset. It's two teams specifically, man. I'm telling you, these two teams, Maryland atop the Big Ten, Duke, where they are at the ACC, you can't trust either one of these. 
These are not teams that are just going to magically turn something up. This is not a squad led by Mike Krzyzewski that's going to just catch lightning or really magic in the postseason. We have seen this all too often from his teams. Now, this is like Lehigh-level bad you're going to see. This year's Duke team disappoint. Maryland the same way. Every opportunity they get in games like this, they squander. And I'm watching it doing up front. I'm breaking my own rule, and I'm going back. Look, San Diego State is another team. Nevada looking like Steph Curry out there as an entire unit just bomb NBA threes right now. These aren't even college. Not that there's much difference, but they're not even settling for college. They're just bombing right now from the top. It's ridiculous. And San Diego State, I guess they think, well, because we have our conference tournament and we could slide through there, what the hell does it really matter? You know, at that point, we can kind of just glide through it. The big thing that happened today is the Celtics and Rockets are underway in Boston. The big thing that happened today in the NBA is you're going to get clearance from Steph Curry. You heard Dieter Kurdenbach at the top of this hour explain that it has to do with kind of pairing people together like Wiggins and Steph. And my biggest question is, why are you so sure, everybody out there, that Wiggins is going to be back. If you have the ability, look, they just moved off from D'Angelo Russell in a heartbeat. And if this last stretch of the season shows that Wiggins doesn't work and shows that you can't match Steph and Andrew Wiggins, his ass is out of here. Especially if you can tag on a high draft pick, either their own or the one that they've got from the Wolves. So there's no lock by any means. And is that really what you're doing? You're forcing Steph back just to see if he can work with Andrew Wiggins on a team that is dreadful this year, on a team that is so bad. Nine-and-a-half-point road dogs tonight. The guy covering this team all year didn't even flinch. I mean, I wish we had that, John, as a drop. I don't even think Dieter let me get the question out. It's a nine-and-a-half-point line. Warriors on the road in feet. I think he just couldn't. Pound it. Pound the Suns. He was so sure. And look, I went in and I did it. I doubled up. I put two units on it. Not that I'm going to blame at Dieter, Dieter Kurtenbach. I was going to say. Dieter.news. <laughs> if I lose, I have myself to blame. But that was way too much confidence. Way too much for me to pass up. For a young man who is as in tune as it gets with this squad, I'm sorry. I had to roll with it. At Shander Show on Twitter, Nevada continuing to expand their lead, 40-33 right now, two minutes to go in the first half. And all of this conversation, all of this discussion about Maryland underachieving, it's 30-23 to still. They can't do squat. They've got stops in front of them. They've held Michigan State. They've blocked shots. They've gotten defensive rebounds. Yet still nothing on offense. And this is why you don't trust Maryland. This is why you don't trust Duke. Because they underachieve at the worst times. And you know what? San Diego State, unlike Kansas, who had no choice, mind you, because they had to avenge that brawl nonsense in Manhattan today, Kansas, against Kansas State. But who the hell is San Diego State to cruise into their conference tournament, to cruise into this NCAA tournament because of the record that they had? You know, they they were looking at an undefeated season, and they totally let up against a UNLV team 
that they had the audacity to drop their regular season conference winning banner down before the damn season's even over. So what would you expect? And now they feel like they can just tiptoe their way into this thing. And you're going to see Baylor get cooked as well. This season is way too wide open. Way too wide open. San Diego State, I mean, they can't even work an inbound pass at this point. Sloppy basketball. We saw it with Baylor earlier in the day. You're getting it out of Maryland. You got it from Duke. 50 points. This is not national champion Virginia. 50 points? I feel like I'm Harry Doyle in Major League. Was it one bleeping hit? That's all we got? That's all you get? 50 points? And you let Virginia do whatever they wanted. Whatever they wanted. Live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Shander Show, Facebook, Periscope, at Shander Show, at SB Nation Radio, of course, as well. Now, I gave you a couple. Let me give you one more before I get out of here because I mentioned I'm on this five-leg parlay. I don't know how much you heard of this in the first hour, but I'm on this five-leg parlay now, John, where I started out with four shows that I've watched. I'm on the fifth one, and they're all through Netflix. It's a string of shows, different shows, some by a similar creator, but still all different shows. And you know that feeling when you've knocked four of the five legs down and you're up on the fifth leg. Because I've watched one episode of this fifth show and I feel like, all right, I've made the right choice. I still need to see how it ends. But it's one of these four-episode seasons of a a British BBC show. You know, each episode is like 90 minutes. So it's kind of like a mini-movie when it comes to these crime dramas. But, you know, the same character and whatnot throughout. But I'm four down and... I gave a couple early on. Omniscient, The Stranger, definitely one to watch. Have you seen the show The Five? No, I have not. Are you familiar with the show The Five? No. Okay. So this came out, I want to say, three years ago. Actually, April 15th, 2016. So we're approaching four four years. Almost four years, yeah. Yep. And it's fantastic. I'll give you the skitty here. 20 years after five-year-old Jesse disappears near his home, his DNA turns up at the scene of a woman's murder, baffling his family and the police. If anybody's familiar with Black Mirror, one of the best episodes, the history of me, I believe it's called, not you, I think it's the history of me, it's the third episode in the first season. Tom Cullen, who's a famous British actor, fantastic. He stars in that episode. He's also the main star in this show, The Five. So it's Cullen, another guy, and Cullen's character's grown up to be a lawyer. Another guy who's his friend, it's a pack of four, right? So it's three boys and a girl. And all four of them have grown up despite Tom Cullen losing his five-year-old brother. And now, of course, the DNA reappears, but and it gets dark at times. It gets tough to watch at times, but it's not gore or anything like that. It's not violent or anything like that. It's a true, in the true nature of a superb BBC British crime drama, it's the dialogue, right? It's like what made The Wire so incredible was just the different types of dialogue you got throughout the show. And in this case, it's the different dialogue throughout. So you have this 
kid 20 years later who mysteriously from a DNA standpoint comes back. And then, of course, everybody's reliving the past, including the guy who is put away because he admit and gave some details that were tough to come behind or I guess come by about the initial kidnapping. So the show is insane because for the series, and it's just one season, 10 episodes, you get the mystery of like the police mystery and both police officers are fantastic. You get how this disappearance of the young boy 20 years ago impacted the family. And I kind of liken it to anybody who's seen Mystic River, where you have a tight-knit community that was impacted by the death, of course, of a young woman, Sean Penn's daughter. In this case, it's just the disappearance. And there are plenty of times in which you're led down a road and you're like, well, well, okay, this doesn't really make any sense because I see the DNA or they see the DNA. And you're asking yourself, how is this possible? Like, how are they going to pull themselves out of this? And it's not some crazy, really difficult situation or scenario to believe. A lot of it makes sense. And they do a really good job of tying it together. They give you a really good reveal at the end without it being forced. It's not as some of these other ones tend to be, you know, do their M. Night impersonation. This is not anything like that. I feel like the show, you knew the show was going to end, and they did a really good job of landing the plane. And on top of that, they put you through some really difficult moral dilemmas. And if you've heard me talk about this show before on Twitter, the stream, I apologize. But the best analogy I can give you here is it's not like, you know, are you going to cut your foot off to get out of some serious situation and saw. These are legit gray area issues of morality. And I can't give you an example without giving away the show, but you find yourself with a couple of these major reveals, and I'll just leave it this, okay? The five, it's on Netflix. Trust me, this is worth your time. It's 10 episodes, 45 to 50 minutes. You can binge through this thing. 45-36, Nevada up, San Diego State getting worked on the road at the half. I guess they feel like they can sleepwalk their way into the conference and NCAAs, but just watch. This is an easy one to predict. I'm going to give you two. The Jazz are going to be out as fast as humanly possible in the NBA, and San Diego State may not be the first round, but watch in that second round for this team to get upset. It's just way too easy to call for a team underachieving like this. Now, as far as the five, I'll leave you with this. The reveals not only tie in the storyline. What you get at the end as far as detailed information on why somebody is alive or dead or any of these plausible scenarios, because I'm not giving away anything. You're not just like, oh, okay, cool, bad guy. Or, oh, okay, cool, good guy. You can't just compartmentalize and look at this thing and feel better about the ending because bad guy did A and good guy did B. Very difficult to discern between the two. And that's what I think makes such a difficult show to create and execute when you're watching. Because you're faced with like, man, I don't know what i do. If I were that police officer, it's not like, oh, are you going to shoot this person, kill this person, or let him go? No, no, no. It's not that. It's any, not anywhere near that. 
it's way more gray area. It's way more murky ground to sift through. And you don't know what the right decision is because there is no blueprint or book out there to determine that. You don't know any of that. And even when you see a decision made, man, I don't know who's underachieving more right now. If it's Maryland at home or San Diego State, I guess you can look at their excuses. They're on the road. But even still, if you come to grips and you reach a level of acceptance with the decision that's made on the show itself, you still don't know, looking back, and I'm, what, two days removed from this show, and I still don't know how I feel about it. Not the show, but the decisions that were made at the end. And they have me thinking not, oh, I hate the show because they made the wrong decision. It's, man, that show was really good because... I still don't know if they made the right decision. We'll wrap the show next at Shander Show on Twitter. It's SB Nation Radio. You're listening to The Second Level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios with way more than the scores, here's Aton Shander. All right, thanks, John. Andrew, before you guys for producing the show. Appreciate Dieter hopping on. Scott right before that. We've got a lot of things covered. Pretty impressed. It is a good show. Including that show. Look, you know, as far as we, I just want to make sure that we're covering everything. You know, even at some point. We, we got the sports stuff out. We got some things, including the Netflix queue out. And hopefully all I cared about was one person I could convert. And it seems like I got you on the five, right? Is that fair? Oh, yeah. I'm going to check it out. I don't know. You, I know you, I should say, don't have a ton of time because you're constantly working and 20 different jobs here. So <laughs> It might take me a few few days to get to it, but I will check it. Absolutely. I'll say this. You watch the first episode, and I think you'll be hooked. Okay. I'll it's watch really the first episode. Good. I'll tell you what I think next week. One thing that I really like about the five that I didn't mention is there are a couple of really cool one-shots, and... The camera work is unique. It's very different. It's not typical just, oh, yeah, close-ups and wide shots. And There are a couple of really cool angles that you get that kind of aid the tense moments in the show. Check it out. At Shanner Shows, hey, check me out on Twitter. I'm back with you this Friday. So here locally in Philly and having some fun. Check us out.